people ask me this all the time too. Do you regret doing this? Like, do you regret accruing all that money and spending all that time in school? You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to Creators Making Money. Today, I am so pleased to have with me one of my dearest, dearest friends and someone that really inspires me a ton with all of the work that she's doing in the world, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Lindsay Padilla is the ex-professor turned entrepreneur behind Build a Better Beta, an online program that helps influential experts release courses to their audiences quickly and easily so they can focus on their teaching. The Better Beta framework was born out of her tenure track years teaching adults online at a community college and the ridiculous amount of learning she's done in all things education. Like she really knows her shit when it comes to teaching. Um, She's also the rambunctious host of the Academics Mean Business podcast and community, which we're going to talk about more today, where she shares the journeys of other academics who have made the leap into entrepreneurship. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, friend. It seems so weird when you introduce me as Dr. Lindsay Padilla, because that like is just weird. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> it's Jamie. And yet she you are a doctor. <laughs> and yet I am. It is so true. Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes, that is yeah. all me. All you. That's so my one life. of the big, yeah, totally. One <laughs> of the big reasons that I was like so obsessed and nagging you to come on and to record an episode <laughs> with me is I'm like, can we please talk about student loans and the student loan crisis and how it yeah. impacts entrepreneurs, creatives, academics? Mm. Um, you know, Everybody. what's funny <laughs> is what's funny is like you're, you know, the work that you're doing with academics is very much it's like where my heart is with with creatives and artists mm-hmm, around. Mm-hmm ownership of their value and and really just how messed up it is to have to function in society the way that the system is built right yeah yep yep (sighs) exhale yeah no i'm i'm glad i love this like overlap because i remember um when you were launching this podcast and i was like this the 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 artist the pursuit of of art right the pursuit of the creative um creation and all of that is usually not tied to money as the outcome. And it's very similar in academia. Like to go through all that schooling, um, you're usually obsessed either with your subject and research or likely with teaching and like sharing what you know. And we're, we we didn't become academics for money, right? So we did it out of love for the subject and for teaching and knowledge, I guess, in general. And so there's definitely overlap between like 
why we choose the path we chose, um, even if it's a calling and it feels like it chose us. Um, but when you mix that in with like the cost of education today, um, that's where it's really creating a lot of struggle. And in my podcast, you know, interviewing, I think I've interviewed now over 50 academics who've um, some people have left. Some people um, are doing kind of side hustle kind of things. But, you know, a, a common theme of people who have left is just this idea that the system is t- is broken and it's breaking people. Um, and I think that comes from, you know, this idea of like, if I go in to teach, um, even if it's community college, which is where I taught, but even at the four year R1 institutions, they're not getting paid that much and what happens is is they're they spent all this money to be able to teach so it's funny like the pass to be a a professor costs a lot of money but then the industry doesn't keep up with uh paying that worth like you look at doctors and lawyers as like a common place where people spend a lot of money on their student loans but then they supposedly and i say this with air quotes because oh, yeah. we could talk about those professions as well oh yeah but they're they're paid you know relatively well um but you you can also compare their um you know, student loans and the cost of them going is probably not as much as getting a sociology degree. So it's it's relative. But um, but that's the thing is, I think academics take on this debt. And I'm, I'm curious if 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 you would say it was the same for creatives as well. We take on this debt knowing that we're basically signing up for a career that is going to make it not be paid off in 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's like, OK, with it. And we just accepted it as is. Um, and then you know, the labor market goes, does its thing and politics and, every, you know, the the society is doing stuff and it's impacting us by these choices that we made 10, 15 years ago. So, um, so yeah, that's, you know, that's a lot, but that that's like what's in my head in thinking about how we overlap, like how choosing the academic path um, might overlap with people who, yeah, picked degrees that would be quote unquote creative. And I know... I know too, and you could probably speak to this as well, that like um, there's a lot uh, being a teacher and educator and having students, you know, making big decisions about what they want to do in the world and what they enjoy um, and being told over and over again, like, why would you do that? That's not going to make any money. Mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff sits with you for a long time and that happens in certain disciplines. It's not in all of them. Right. Like, so um so, yeah, I have that flip side of being a professor and seeing students who have all this amazing potential and then their family and their friends are saying, why are you picking that major or why are you studying that? That has no value. Um, as a sociologist, I was told that a lot as well. Um, but I knew I wanted to be a professor because that was kind of all you can do with a sociology degree mainstream wise. Um, but it, but my students who fell in love with my subject would sit back and be like, my mom doesn't want me to study sociology. Like, there's no value. So, um, so yeah, you know, you carry that uh, with you. And I know with creatives, I'm sure it's almost the same messaging. Yeah, it's basically like, okay, you want to be passionate and crazy and like throw caution to the wind? Like, sure, <laughs> go follow your heart and do do that. Good luck. Don't quit your day job, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. or like figure out the thing that's actually going to provide for you and your life and in the mm-hmm. material world. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I want to circle back for a second because you said R1 institution. So I just wanted to define what that was. If you could define what that is for anyone. So that's like a research level one institution. Like, you know, of course, we have like Ivy Leagues like, you know, Yale or or or. Um, you know, Harvard and that stuff, those those schools are R1. So when you think of like, quote unquote, really good schools, <laughs> um, you're probably like thinking about an R1. And then there are schools that are R2, which aren't. And so basically that just means like research level, like they're the people that are are producing their their workload is often heavily research based and they maybe teach a class or two um and they're really pushing forward knowledge and all of that and then you know that yeah so the higher education system is stratified like lots of other systems um and so the lower you go down on that right like there's liberal arts colleges where the focus is more on teaching and so there's less research being produced at those schools um and then at the community college it's not even a part of getting tenure is you do not have to do research it's it's purely out of you know developing and growing as an academic and so um that's kind of how that that pans out um you know so when you get like grant funding and you're trying to fund your research projects at these institutions you know where you're teaching matters um so uh, just making the point that those schools tend to have a little bit higher of a salary um and are more negotiable and i was a part of the community college system which is kind of this weird in-between system where we're not quite k through 12 for obvious reasons but we are kind of politically K through 12, uh, like the way our funding works and uh, the way we pay professors, it's on a pay scale um, where you go to somewhere like Harvard and they could be like, oh, Lindsay, we need to have you because X, Y, Z. And then you can actually negotiate your salary. When I got hired, I really couldn't negotiate my salary. It was just like based on years of experience teaching and how far like my degree was. So that's a little bit about how the pay structure works in higher ed. It's just so crazy to me, though, when even when you talk about like the past to become a professor costs a lot of mm. money, which is, <clears throat> you know, not the case with being an artist. Like you don't have mm. to have a degree to be an True. artist. You don't have to mm-hmm. like pay your way into it. What you need is financial support to be able to actually pursue the work uh, of being an artist. Right. Because yeah. it's it's creating the work takes it's work, right? It's mm-hmm. not like <laughs> oh, this is just like fun and daisies like daisies and roses and there's no challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, what's so the the thing that's extra effed up with academics is, you know, they're putting money into the system, but they're not getting money back out of the system. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and you what have is to that have about? that pass. Yeah, you have to have the pass, the the degree that says, and that costs money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's even what's what's interesting and what makes it a little worse as well, like what's happening as a trend. Um, and you may or may not be aware of this, like. Um, as you're listening, it depends on how much you know, if you maybe have some friends that are in this in this system. But basically, it's becoming more and more dependent on part time faculty. So um, and it's this is really, really happening at the community college in a in a different way because it's funded by the state. And so are state schools. So I, I also want to like, <laughs> there's like lots of layers of like how, where the money comes from. That's really important in in. Because decisions are being made basically at the state level and at the federal level about how we use money for education. So the community college, um, for example, uh, is at least in California, it's one of the best community college systems in the country. And it's also one of the most heavily subsidized. So California has decided that they want to use their education budget to help people keep like go through school. So they're actually purposefully paying 
for uh, costs um, through, you know, the state government to keep cost per unit down. And that's awesome. And so we're one of the cheaper too. So we're one of the best and we're one of the cheaper. So yay, California for making that decision. But, you know, not cool during the recession um, when California was in the red. Right. And if uh, we were in one of we were one of the states that was like bankrupt. And so what happened was, is rather than hiring full time faculty, faculty who every day got to show up, you know, have office hours, be on campus, be serving the college, serving the students. They kept hiring more and more part-timers who are driving from school to school, picking up a class here and a class there, teaching online, just scrounging, right, for what they could get um, to make a full load, what we would call a full load. But half the time is spent in the car, right? Like getting to different institutions. And what happens is, is that obviously affects the students and Mm -hmm. the kind of hypocrisy of it. And every college would make their own decisions about how they pay their faculty. But at my college, we were, you know, when I found this out, I was just like, are you kidding me? Uh, The part-time faculty didn't get paid for office hours. So they're not getting paid for office hours. But you know what they did is they did office hours anyways, because how could you not meet with your students and be available, especially when the students expected it? But then the school isn't even supporting them in doing that. And so they have to make the choice. Like, do I care enough about the students to do this anyways? Or, you know, maybe not because I have to drive to five different campuses, which is is common depending on where you live. So. It's those kind of things where you start to realize like and then and they don't have health care and they're often, you know, maybe not a part of the union in a stronger way. So this this population is getting higher and it's tipping the scales where a majority of the college, the faculty members aren't really, quote unquote, don't really feel like a part of the institution. And um, the students, some of them know. But a lot of them don't know either. Like I and I made a point to talk to my students about how you know, I get I'm treated differently because I I work here full time. And they're like, oh, I didn't realize that you're not the same as Professor so-and-so. And And it's like, no, Professor so-and-so works at several colleges and we're not treated the same. And and like students didn't realize that. And so the problem is, is we're not able to really serve the students in the best way because the faculty aren't they're they're not making it really. And their and their energy is spent you know, hoping that they have a job even the next semester. That's another thing. So when, especially in the, when the recession was happening, uh, it's, you know, the irony is, is the recession's happening. People are losing jobs left and right. Unemployment rate was the highest it's been in a really long time. Uh, Guess what? People went right to the community college and went back to school. Um, They didn't, what, what else were they going to do? We didn't have enough classes and we didn't have enough seats. And, So here we are uh, being like, okay, so we're a public institution and there's people banging at our doors and we can't even give them enough sections. And then because we didn't have the funding for it. Right. And then the flip side of it, all those private for profit institutions started popping up because they realized, oh, these people are going to pay a lot of money to like further themselves Mm -hmm. in this time of not having a job. Um, and so then in that that era as well, we saw a lot of defaulting loans where people were paying tens of thousands of dollars to these private, you know, corporate run institutions, 
promising that they would, you know, get and walk away with a nursing degree. And in many cases, that wasn't even true, which was terrible. So they were promising people jobs. And then students came away with $30,000 in debt and no job or certificate that could get them a job. So they, you know, there was a whole Supreme Court case issue on it. I mean, this is so. I, you know, this is probably like way more background information than people care to understand. Like, it's to really deeply know. Just keep but going. Like, <laughs> yeah. But like, so I guess like what I'm trying to say is like education is this like is promised as, um, you know, the great equalizer. Right. Like so every you know, if you have an education, you can make it like this is America. And the right. problem is when we have kind of some of the issues that I'm bringing up. That's not actually how it's happening. And the community college specifically, which is why I wanted to be a part of it, is that it is the most democratic school, um, you know, in the country because it it accepts anyone like you can. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a certain score. You don't have to get in. Um, and so it, you know, disproportionately like enrolls minority students and those who are the most marginalized people who are refugees. Like, I mean, the list. Right. And so we want it to be open door. It's an open door place, like start here and don't go into as much debt. But then what happens is, is when we're reliant on public funding, the doors are closing and it's probably getting worse. So, yeah, we may not be in a recession right now, but what we are seeing uh, the way, you know, decisions are being made right now is they're they're slashing, you know, the rights that professors have had for a long time. So they're maybe not getting health care. They're losing. Um, they might be working more um, for less. Uh, they're adding more to the to the, what their like job is. And so that and then the institutions as well don't have enough space for people because um, because the cost of higher ed has gone so much up in like state schools and university schools that people are now choosing community college for the reasons I've listed, right? So a community college unit, just to give you kind of a frame of reference, at least in California, and I know for most of the country, it's in the hundreds, but in California, it's like $44 a unit. It might've recently gone up to 46 or 47. So a typical course is three (laughs) units. Yeah. I'm laughing because it's like $1,000 a unit, I think it like... Yeah, so where then I went to school. <laughs> exactly. So, um, well, here here's the crazy part. And so California has done a great job. But when I was I did community college <clears throat> classes coming home from state school, like in the summers to get ahead. Mm-hmm. And so I think I took like a writing class or something. It was eleven dollars a unit. And that was in the early 2000s. OK, so this is pre-recession. And so that was a while ago now, right? So I could talk about how it was nearly 20 years ago that it was um, $11 a unit. So it's gone up that much. But the where it really went up um, was 10 years later, I'm, I'm teaching those students and it was the same that it is right now. So it hasn't changed too much since the recession. But the, the, the gap between that time and the recession, it like tripled. Um, and then other states made different decisions and, you know, it's it might even be worse. But the state school I went to when I graduated in 2004 to date myself there, I was at San Diego State. Great school. <laughs> And I think I was paying 800 and I wrote a check um, for $888 because I remember it. That was the last check I wrote for school. Um, and that was a full load. That was five classes. Um, and, you know, that didn't include housing or, or textbooks or anything like that. 
But my students that, you know, 10 years later, um, or even less than that, right, in like 2011, 2012, were now paying like three or $4,000 for the exact same education, right? It's not that the schools got better. Um, it was literally the same thing. And it's just the what's happened is there's lots of choices being made at those schools where they're increasing budgets and hiring more and more um admin like administrators who mm-hmm. now who are in the six figure you know uh salary range and the professors are not getting paid that and so there was terrible things happening i remember going out and protesting as a grad student where the chancellor is paying themselves like giving themselves raises and they're slashing paying other people um and that was i'm just looking at this going oh no wonder why this isn't working like our priorities are really messed up like Mm -hmm. the the chancellor gets to make you know near a million dollars and and give themselves raises while uh you know grad students aren't getting paid anything um and that that's a whole other conversation i could have too well that's the whole like treating a treating university like a business you know that's Mm -hmm. that's the thing is is Mm -hmm. is yeah you'll give yourself a bonus when you're more profitable because you're more profitable because teachers aren't getting paid right like yeah whatever that means so it's like oh great you know i mean yeah yeah, yeah. Capitalism and, so, and education. Ca- yeah, exactly. And I, I studied this man. Uh, what was the, Stanley Aronowitz's book? Um, uh, the Knowledge Factory is is talks about this, and I think that's the thing, right? So, and I talk about this a little bit on my podcast. It's like the people who serve like public institutions like that. Um, you know, serve the public good. Like we believe that people should have access. We believe that people should, you know, be able to advance themselves if they want and if they choose to. Uh, but it's it's being run like a business and it has been for a long time. And so we're a little jaded. And I think the last probably two decades has really made people go, oh yeah, like this is a business. And I, you know, at my community college, at, <laughs> we... Uh, when I was working there, I was there about 2000 and maybe 13 or 14 until 2016. So I only was full time there for that long. I left before I got tenure. But uh, one of the big hooplas, because uh, I was on the negotiating team and all of that, one of the big hooplas was um, the the way we were spending uh, the money that we got from a bond. So the community college like often ends up on ballots and 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 taxpayers can choose to fund the college. Well, we were basically building this, a beautiful admin building that had this like this boardroom and all this fancy technology. And, <laughs> and then at the same time, we have buildings that are leaking. I literally had buildings that were leaking where my students are in here and the, the ceiling is dripping on them. Um, and we're just like, cool, right? And so we saw this like very clear, like, and then of course, by the way, no big deal. Like the person who managed that is like getting sued because he made some very interesting choices around how he was spending that budget but interesting. that's a different yeah interesting of course. choices oh, there's so much yeah very interesting choices but um yeah so all this is happening and you're just like people want to spend money on schooling they know that it has a positive impact and my school was really close to two other community colleges like within driving distance so when you're 20 minutes away from another college you might lose students to this other college so students were going to napa um, and they were some of them were driving even further um, down to like schools near Oakland because I was in Northern California. And um, 
So my school's like, well, we need to do better branding. And so they spend all this money on doing redoing all these logos. And I'm sitting here now, like looking back as now someone who runs a business, I was like, I get the choice they made, uh, but it didn't make sense in the context. Like uh, changing the logo and having to redo all the stationery is, is one step towards bringing good students, but so is potentially creating an on-campus environment <laughs> that people want to come to yeah. where, um, you know, the teachers are happy. They're, you know, excited to be there. And in fact, the teachers were just uh, just basically battling administration. So the climate on campus like wasn't healthy. And so they spend $80,000 to have somebody come in and rebrand the school. And uh, yeah, knowing now what I know about what that means, rebranding, it, it makes me laugh. But that's the thing. The people are making these kind of decisions um, on because it is a it is a business and every student that is enrolled is actually how we get paid at the community college. So that's where the funding from the state comes in. So if you don't have students butts in the seats, you're not getting paid. Um, and that's a really big deal. So, um, yeah, that that's all tied to us choosing to take six figures in debt, potentially, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because this is how money is being spent at those schools that like that's it's not that. Yeah, that this that, you know, the education is improving. In fact, it's arguably getting you could say worse as I as I'm laying out for you what it's like to be a faculty member. Yeah. Um, they're actually overworked. They have too many classes. They're not, you know, being treated um fairly by admin and and being like have a good seat at the table um and so then the costs are being passed on to the student um and you know under the guise of oh well if you get this degree you'll make more money and that evidence that research is still holds true like having a college degree mm -hmm. does put you um you know echelons above people who don't um but it's not, you know, is that the answer? And and this is the thing is, too, I think I, I talk about this a lot as well in this space, because I feel like I'm often defending the college degree um, yeah. in in entrepreneur spaces, because I hear over and over again, like, oh, well, Steve Jobs dropped out of school and like, you know, oh, yeah. right. Every like bajillionaire dropped out of school. So I therefore, that, that means a lot of that messaging growing up, like being raised yeah. by an entrepreneur who had a degree, ah, by the yes. way, from Fordham University in sociology. Nice. Um, <laughs> Love it. Consistently. Why we're he, <laughs> totally. He, he talked his way into a presidential scholarship. So actually mm. didn't have student loans of any kind. Yeah, this was also <laughs> a long time ago when education was yes. very different and was not so as expensive cheap. and yep. a lot of things. Um, exactly. Yep. But yeah, like I received that message growing up and I was so passionate about education and I have a master's degree and I, I, I remember get, being given the choice. Like, mm. do, you know, I will, I will pay for your undergraduate or like part of your, he ended up paying for the first two years of my undergrad. Um, I have mm. student loans from the rest of my education, mm -hmm. but um like you can start a business with this money or you can go to school. Ooh. And I was like, I'm going to go to school. Yeah. But that messaging never, never leaves. And in entrepreneur communities, just like you're saying, yep. it's like the common, the common thing of like, well, you know, you're, you know, you don't need it to like make tons of money and be successful. Mm. And some of the most successful entrepreneurs, like didn't follow the rules and didn't yeah. finish school or never went in the first place. Yep. And that's a tough, that's a tough one. Yeah, um, it's it's complicated. I've, and so part of me is like, it isn't the schooling itself. 
It's the cost benefit. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I could sit here and go, you're right. Like, it costs too much money. Um, <laughs> that's the bottom line. Like, I I should, though, and this is where, because people ask me this all the time, too. Do you regret doing this? Like, do you regret accruing all that money and spending all that time in school? And you know, with every bone in my body, I've been working towards, right? I mean, maybe there's a couple bones left, but I've been working towards being okay with making that choice and recognizing that it's got me exactly to where I am and that I'm actually, that only me going through that has put me in the position to have the podcast I have, to have the perspective that I have. And rather than being like higher ed, is um, a lost cause. The whole thing needs to burn down, which lots of people are saying that's not true. (laughs) Like it's not the actual knowledge itself. Like I'm so grateful. Like, you know, how many entrepreneurs can say that they like spent several years on a project, like deepening their knowledge, like for knowledge sake and like knowing what that means. That, That actually, I really like align with like the creatives, right? You're doing it because of this like internal... Uh, desire and and the the idea that you're pushing something forward it, without being like oh it's going to make me a million dollars it's like doing it for the sake of uh, getting it out into the world and that and that's what doing like a dissertation feels like and it and it's it's another one of those activities where you do it because it's hard right it's like running a marathon it's like you know, running a million dollar business. It's all these things. So to devalue what I've done and the skills that I've gotten from that and to pretend that the whole system, like no one should ever choose that, I mean, is totally misguided. (laughs) And like, why wouldn't we want people who are passionate about research and pushing knowledge forward? And the, the, the hypocrisy I see in all of this is all these people are benefiting from uh, the workforce and the labor force that's coming out of higher ed, like mm-hmm. higher ed, you know, and and then, and then this is the Marxist, you know, person coming out in me, too, because I did research on this, like the system is set up like schooling is set up to create workers like mm-hmm. a labor force like that just goes to work and shows up, you know, and the funny thing is people have built these companies on the backs of those people. So if those people disappear, you know, I just want to make sure you realize that like that, that not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and that it's not this like, that's the other thing too. There's this air of like, I'm better than everyone because I'm on my own. And it's like, that's a, that's a choice that you're making and not everyone wants to make that choice. So to make the assumption that an, a whole institution should disappear because you did it differently uh, makes no sense to me, like at all. Well, it's also undervaluing, like not just the, like the knowledge and the skills, but also what someone gains, what they gain mm. as a human to, to have yes. credit. Because it's great to be able to make business decisions, but not yeah. every decision in your life or even for your business should always be about the bottom line. Mm. And, and if you don't go to school, if you don't receive higher level education, you're not going to learn critical thinking skills. You're not going to learn philosophical yep. thinking skills. Mm-hmm. You're not going to learn how to understand, you know, when you study like art history, for example, right, which I was totally nerdy over, I didn't do a ton of that in in grad, but I did in high school, because I went to an arts high school. But even that, that was an exceptional opportunity in education that most people wouldn't receive in high school that Mm -hmm. I did. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people would be getting that in college. I got it early. But it, you know, you learn when you're studying literature, when you're studying art, 
it, you also learn about the history. You learn about the yep. social and political context that that artist was creating within. You learn about the world that was ha- like what was happening in the world mm-hmm. and who they were and like what those constructs were. And it teaches you to think about the world in a way that you are not able to if your only focus is creating a profitable business. Yeah. Yep. So it's like, I, I, sure, if all you want out of life is to squeeze the most money out of life possible, yeah. then like, great. But if you want more, if you want to like learn a different language or experience different cultures or understand like how the world actually operates and, and how you it's the type of thing that's like you people think that knowledge is just like you can get everything on the internet. And to some extent, that's true. And to some extent, we're breaking mm-hmm. down those institutions so that that's possible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like you can't trust everything you read on the internet no. the same way that you can. No. In and you can't even trust what you're learning in public schools. No, you know, yep. but there's a different standard for higher level education. And yeah. 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 So like I'm <laughs> sitting here going like, I mean, I could talk, Oh my God, I could talk about this all day. Um, I, 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 it bothers me that people conflate. So, so what I'm seeing a lot of, like, obviously the entrepreneur is, has like a certain personality and yes, it's true that, um, you know, the way, the way we've set up the education system is behind the times with like where technology is and what's happening with our brains. Like, from the day we're born to, you know, going through school, like there's research being done about like, what is the best way to learn? Like people are playing with that. It's not, it's so public education, it's going to take some time to catch up to that. And I think the future of education and higher ed as well is going to be in this, like this blending of, um, of online experiences and, you know, just in time learning where people are getting like they they are tested and they're told where they're at and then they're getting fed the next thing. That's valuable and helpful as a tool, but it, it, it doesn't represent all of education. So there's growth to be made in the way teaching is happening um, and the society that we're in, what you, which is what you brought up. And in sociology, we call this culture lag, where technology is like a couple steps ahead of the cultural norms mm-hmm. that people expect, in, in, especially in institutions, but also just generally speaking. So like another example of a culture lag was you know, in the early days of cell phones, when do you remember like back in the day, it used to be like the biggest faux pas to answer your phone in public. And people would talk about, oh, my God, I can't believe so and so's on the phone in public. And now it, not seeing someone on the phone as public is to- is totally different. So it's a culture lag where we're negotiating what our behaviors are in response to this technology that's brand new. Um, I remember, too, and I know we're similar in age, like pagers even in high school remember oh my like God. the teachers were like oh like you they have to be off and not buzzing and people didn't even know how to handle it because that was like the first time kids like brought technology into the classroom we were like the beginning of that and then all of a sudden now there's I had the cutest little gold beeper ever <laughs> do you remember buying my sister like- bought me a pager for my birthday i think i was 13 or 14 and i was so excited mm. i cried do you remember when they kept getting like smaller and smaller yes. and like sparkly yes <laughs> I had the, so my fun. second my second beeper was like this tiny little cute little gold little yeah. all the different. Do you remember codes. going to the pager store and like, <laughs> <laughs> like in the cases and being like, oh yep. my god, I want that one. And this was like when they were like probably like thirty dollars, not like thousands now. Yeah. Um, anyways, so yeah, so like we're con- we're right now negotiating that. Like that's what I want people to realize. Like 
we are making decisions about how we want things to go. We are having an impact. It is not burn it to the ground. It's worthless. My kid, you know, and what's happening is these entrepreneurs have gone through their own education and they're using their own through their own eyes, the shitty professors or the shitty teachers. And they're like, see, the whole thing sucks. And I'm like, you know that that can't be true. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know that there are good teachers out there. And you actually, if I pride you, you probably had a couple good ones that believed in you. But don't equate like a shitty marketer um, with this desensitized professor who's been doing this for too long, could care less about you know what current marketing strategies there are and be like, oh, see, why would you study marketing? You should study it in the real world. And it's like what you brought up. The reason why institutions exist is not just like, here's the practical how to, which is what this online space is flooded with when it comes to courses. But here's like where all this knowledge comes from. Yeah, and you here's now how to have start a to be strands. Yes. And like, do you guys realize that like that is so valuable? Like it feels like when you're 20, that like learning about Marxism and like and and all the theories that are happening with like economic structure and like how they talk to each other, those theories and the social context that they came out of that that actually creates where we are now and that people making decisions are actually basing it on foundational things that thinkers had lots of years ago, Uh but also what the tweaks we're making to it now. So don't sit here and be like, oh, it's I can't believe my kid is getting an MBA and he doesn't even know that Facebook Live can make you a million dollars. And I'm like, do you realize like how lame that would be to teach that in a classroom and make that be the only thing? Like, mm-hmm. and so they make, and like Gary Vaynerchuk talks about it a ton. Like lots of these people get in there and say like, oh, you're not going to learn anything. It's like you learn by doing. It's both. It is literally both. It's like, 100% both. And when we them. talk about like the like world leadership and where we're going, it's kind of important that people not just learn like, everything (laughs) about all of what you're saying, but also how to have a conversation about it. Like a respectful conversation and how to have a discourse and how to have a different opinion and how to share your opinion Mm. and how to hear other people's opinions. And these are the conversations that happen on campuses that there aren't a lot of spaces where that can happen otherwise. You know, when people are doing it on social media, right, with their Facebook threads and all of that, but unless there are leaders like you who are prepared to host conversations like Mm, that mm -hmm. and actually like moderate them, then they're not going to happen on their own. You know what I mean? And and entrepreneurs for the sake of entrepreneurship isn't really enough to motivate that, that Mm. discourse. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah, I get asked a lot, like, what's the future of this? Like, you know what? And I think, you know, you know, running a podcast that literally I represent like, you know, folks that are in the institutions and I represent people starting businesses and that overlap and everyone, every guest on my podcast does, too. And, you know, it's not going anywhere, whatever their dream is to, like, blow up the system. It's not going anywhere. But in fact, they're informing each other. So, like, that's where I get my drive to have my podcast and have these conversations is to recognize that it's so valuable that I can come from that space and like be with these entrepreneurs and challenge them when they're telling me that, you know, why would anyone go to school? And I was like, oh, let me tell you. <laughs> like, and so, and it's like, I need to be in these spaces. Like, I, uh, because we should help direct the conversation around learning for the public good. And so, academics 
potentially leaving the institution um, and going out and doing things in the real world and recognizing that they can actually really impact the way society is 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 going, I guess, like the 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 choices that we're making right now and the and the shaping of history that is currently happening, um, that it's important that we don't stay inside those institutions. There are people that are going to and they should. And that's awesome. But there there should be more overlap than there really is. And I think academics have kind of there is a culture in academia that I know we're not talking about too much in here. And if you're like nerding out on this, you could listen to my podcast because we talk about that in way more detail. Um, but there's a problem in academia and in like academic culture as well. Um, and, you know, kind of some of the reasons I've highlighted, but, you know, other reasons too of a culture of like, you know, of achievement and not asking for help and, you know, just being naturally smart is like how you want to look. Um, that's a problem. And and mental health is an issue in higher ed for sure. But the the idea that there's people suffering quietly, like in their office, like questioning choices they've made and stuff makes me realize like, look, there are other options like your degree studying something so deeply, whether it be, you know, medieval Europe and, uh, you know, cultural whatever, you know, you don't have to do something with that degree, but like look at the degree as the skill set that it that an academic has. And I think we've unfortunately created a profession that's like, oh, it's all about what you studied. But outside, it's not. And so uh, we've siloed ourselves and walled ourselves in. And now when we're recognizing that we've walled ourselves into something that isn't as stable um, and isn't as, you know, perfect as we once imagined when we were, you know, bright eyed, bushy tailed, you know, grad students, um, that they that there's that there's big change we can make outside, I guess. is And, and there's um, unfortunately what's happening right now is the faculty who are advising people, you know, they were the ones who made it. They probably we, I just got um, off an interview with somebody who's been doing this work for a really long time, uh, like since like 2010, talking about leaving the academy with a Ph.D. And um, she she brought up she's like, I uh, those people are advising them and they probably went straight through like they won the game. Right. And then they're sitting here telling people that um, maybe it's rigged against them even a little bit worse than it was against them. And they're like, oh, well, keep doing it. Keep pushing. I did it, too. Like almost like a forum of hazing, like do the dissertation, just make it happen, like do the work and like, oh, and hope you get a job. And like, oh, you if you don't get it this one this time around, you have to wait a whole year <laughs> before you can maybe get it again. I mean, it's a pretty torturous process. But the problem is, is the people advising them in these institutions aren't really aware of other opportunities because that's not what they did. Um, and so that's where I'm finding um you know, there's just an awareness issue, I guess, that's happening in the institutions. And so I just want people to know that there are other ways of being um, an academic and that you can really have an impact. It doesn't have to just happen in the classroom like we've been taught by people who, you know, won the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> so true. Yeah. Um, I have a couple more questions and I sure. do want to touch on student loans because <laughs> that is why you brought me on, right? <laughs> I mean, it's all of this really, mm-hmm. because a lot of the convert, I mean, you know, what also needs to be said is that there are people who 
similarly to pursuing something like sociology or philosophy. Mm -hmm. And like, I've had a fantasy about getting my PhD in philosophy Mm. forever. That would be fun. Um, It's so fun. Not a lot of women in that space. That's actually, mm -hmm, Mm, that's that's a whole other conversation. It's a whole other conversation that's motivating (laughs) to hear. Um, and, and my whole life I'm like, but for what? And meanwhile, Mm. I have a degree in film producing, which is like, uh, for what? But (laughs) (laughs) JK, I learned, I learned a lot of business stuff in that degree in addition to art stuff. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, But it's this, it's this conversation, like there are plenty of people who pursue the arts and also pursue the arts through the academic system and also hope that, well, I can, I can teach and do my art and Mm. like, I can teach this and I can, that's like a very common career track also for those who yes. want to be pursuing the arts is seeing that like, well, there's institutions and universities, um, academic institutions that where, where the higher education is valued. And so yep. nurturing yep. the artists in their craft is also, you know, a component a path, of that a common path. as well. Yeah. So, you know, if for the guests mm-hmm. that are listening, Amy, I have an episode with Amy Walsh and I, um, happy to introduce you, Jamie. This is exactly her. She studied art history. She was a professor. Um, she did, does sculpture and she built, she attempted to build a, a life around her art and did it in the community fashion and all of that. And she was adjuncting on the side and now she's an entrepreneur. She's the person who did my photo shoot, my full set and oh, everything. Yeah. 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 I so, would totally love. I'm sure yeah. we would all love to hear more from Amy as well. Yeah. Like, and so that she, she's this like bridge that you're talking about, the academic kind of creative who mm-hmm. um, was, yeah. Oh, in her episode with me, I don't remember what number it is. I'll give it to you for the show notes, but um, uh, it was fire. She's so good. Yeah. Mm. But she would be great to have on for sure. Perfect. Um, yeah. And one of the reasons I want to talk about the loan thing is also, so se- about 71% of Americans have student loan debt. Yeah. So it's like, it's in the trillions. Everyone, it's more, yeah, it's the debt is in the trillions and is more than credit card debt officially mm-hmm. as of like a few years ago. Yeah. And I think many of us, especially those of us who've pursued higher education do have six figures in debt. Yep. yep. Um, and I think for me personally, as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of shame that comes with that yes. in mm-hmm. feeling like the whole concept of entrepreneurship and and looking at like the at value to be like, well, I technically have a negative net worth. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for showing me every day, Mint. You know what <laughs> I, I mean? Just, yeah, sure. <laughs> and this like, well, we're yeah. working on a business and like the business is profitable mm. and the business is successful and like the business is doing well and like I'm doing well. And and even when you get to that point where you're like, I'm successful, which I've been mm. saying for a good three years now. Mm-hmm. And then you look at your student loans and you're like, I'm in the red. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Forever. Like my net worth. Yep. Yeah. And so yeah. I and and I know other I know other entrepreneurs that have avoided this conversation because they feel like they have to project a certain image of success mm-hmm. or image like image of wealth or image of like I've made it to the other side and here's my yeah. rags to riches story or whatever yeah. it is and that they have this like secret I secret identity or secret shame around and for many it's not necessarily it could just be their undergraduate loans. Um, which I think, I think in my opinion is pushing a lot of people into entrepreneurship too, because we leave Mm -hmm. and we, we like have to generate more money than the existing jobs make available to us to be able to pay our loans. Yep. So we figure it out and we take multiple jobs and we do what's necessary. 
Um, so super and, American. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when We're George like, Bush said that? Exactly. <laughs> it's so American to have two jobs. What a great American or three, yeah. I think was actually his thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like mm-hmm. the painful. Well, instead of that, we're just hyphenates. We're just all like, ah, I do this and this and this and this and this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're so my well, the obvious answer to this and um, well, it's obvious to me, but um, col- so college should be free. Like, uh, so to give some context, because I because I studied the education system, like if you look back, you know, the United States came up. Well, it wasn't the United States yet, but like we kind of invented public education. OK, like um, worldwide, like we were one of the first like, you know, people should go to school and it should be free and that's whatever. And, it, you know, it was tied to religion and some stuff like that. But we like had this idea of a society could, you know, should be educating their their people. Right. So, you know, many iterations later, we have this K through 12 system where everyone is allowed to go through it. Right. As we educate a population. And then it was like past that um, it costs. Right. And the reason why it was valuable, you know, in the 50s, like where our grandparents are coming from and some of our parents, maybe um, they're they're perspective was get a job and all they needed was a high school degree. And then they had a job that was pretty stable. Um, There's some mythology around that as well, but they stayed with a job for a really long time. Right. So now fast forward, you know, 60 years, 70 years, uh, it looks a little bit different. And in and so now the minimum qualification to, quote unquote, make it and have a family and be able to buy things, which is what our economy is built on. Our economy is built mm-hmm. on Americans purchasing like uh, as consumers. And so what's happened is here's the thing is our net value as a population you know, when credit cards were introduced, that's when it all changed. Because what happened was, is it wasn't keeping up with what we were getting paid by the corporations that were hiring us. And so instead, we're putting stuff on debt, like in debt. And we're now and you can talk to your grandparents about when they couldn't buy a house on a loan, like you actually had to have the money. Now, we're grateful that we can buy things like that and not have the money because literally no one would be able to afford it, right? <laughs> like literally. Mm-hmm. But that, but we've been tricked into, uh, you know, banking on making money someday in some way. And so we're actually like stuck in this in this mode of wages haven't been changed since like the 70s, folks, like Google it. (laughs) Wages have not changed since the 70s as relates to inflation. And as things get more expensive, people are just taking out more loans, right? And so now we're tied to, and we could talk, the banking industry is like a whole other conversation. But that's the, this is the key. If we're going to promise like success and like being taken care of in the American dream to folks, then we need to give them the minimum to be able to do that. And right now it's college and college now is a cost. And so people have to go into debt to meet the minimum requirement to, you know, supposedly have a job that's going to take care of them. And then now (laughs) we're living in the era that that's not even true anymore. And so until we make it free, which is what we used to do for the level of education 60 years ago that you needed for a job, that's taking care of a population and making people 
safe around money. And what we've created instead is you have to do this. Oh, and don't worry, you can never wipe this wipe this debt from your account. You can wipe everything else, right? Oh, you yeah. can wipe you can't bankrupt yourself you out of student loans. Bankrupt yourself out of student loans. And it's because you can fake your death. That's about it. That's about it. Yeah. You can literally mm. sit here and go, Oh, they're and they're going to tell you this is why. And this is the message we were sold, like our generation specifically was like the beginning before it got really expensive. And now students are making a little bit different educated choices. But we were told this is the best kind of debt to have, that having this debt is okay and that it's pretty cheap. And then you're going to move up and you're putting yourself in a position to move up in the world. And so you have to do it, right? And there was not really other options. And now we're living in a world where there are a little bit more options, like the entrepreneurship thing, and it's even more expensive. Um, And so the choices look a little bit different. So until we make it free or until, you know, gasp, we actually wipe the debt, which is very possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually very possible. An easy choice we can make. Many, uh, Iceland actually did it. They did it actually, actually after the recession, not I, maybe student loans, but I think like all debt entirely. And how that would help us is, you know, and this is a prediction that, you know, I, I still stand behind. I think one of the, Uh, major bubbles that will pop in the future is when all of us can't afford to pay it back. If we dip into a recession again with unemployment, now we're, Mm -hmm. you know, where students don't have the ability to pay their loans, um, they're going to start, that's going to create a crisis of men of some sort. And again, like I mentioned, our economy is built on our buying power. That's why the recession was so tough for us is because we weren't able to purchase things and people weren't making it, right? And so we felt what that felt like. That wasn't good. Um, when we can't purchase and have you know, extra money, our GDP as Americans, like the, the, the health of our economy goes down. And so uh, what they're doing now, the way they're making up for that is obviously credit cards. Um, and, and then, you know, somewhat related to student loans, but we're, we're just not meeting the needs of people basically to have like a basic standard of living. And we need to meet that. And a way we could fix it is actually wipe it. Because if if everyone's loans were wiped, we would actually be able to go out and buy more stuff. We would probably mm-hmm. buy houses. This is oh, why yeah. our generation has been very leery of buying houses or investing in things and yeah, instead spending our money on experiences. <laughs> exactly. We have a more exactly. Mine, I think mine, if I paid it in full every month, would be like $1,500. That's yeah. bananas. Bananas. Yeah. We already have a mortgage. We've mortgaged our we've mortgaged ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, is the reason why we're not wiping the debt um Yes. Okay. It would directly impact like Sally Mae and like whatever. And maybe that matters to the people who are part of those corporations. Right. But it's a it's actually an ideological thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, As Americans, it's like you made that choice. Like you need to work hard and live through it. And yep. pay it and back. so if we if we forgave that, it would completely go against, you know, what we've built, which, you know, I think is rid- a ridiculous value set anyways, but it would go against that. And so we're mm-hmm. choosing not to do that because of the way like what we believe about the world, like the worldview around what would forgiving debt do? Oh, it would mean that, um, you know, those people made those choices and they're suffering. And rather than help, you know, with suffering, it's point in the finger at the people who mismanage their money. And that's where the shame comes from. Yep. The people that made the the wrong choices or that didn't cut it. And then that's where, 
the entrepreneurs can come in and go, see, like, you know, you can make a bajillion dollars and I didn't do that. So I'm better but than that's you. That's also and, making money the only piece that matters. And like, mm-hmm. that's also not like, that's a capitalist mm-hmm. construct that isn't, mm-hmm. isn't real. Like, it's not real. No, no well, one it's is a happy. It's a, no it's one an is happy just because they make money. No yep. one is happy. Like, I would not be a happier person with less loans. I would, yeah. I would be like, great, I can buy a house instead of yeah. pay off my debt. But I wouldn't, I would not be a happier person. It wouldn't yeah. change my level of like, and not having that education or that experience would not, I wouldn't, I would never take it back. There's no mm. question. Like mm-hmm. I would be like, I would never, I would never go back in time and wish that I didn't have my education yep. or to make yep. those choices. Like I would yep. rather pay the debt for the rest of my life and yep. have it yep. um, because it is fucking valuable and it's worth mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I will say as an entrepreneur, one of the biggest problems that I have with how the system is set up. And of course, student loan forgiveness would be amazing. And it would, I believe it would help tremendously. Um, and if like banks would still, banks would still make money. They just yep. be making money on houses and other things instead of, yeah, instead of this. Also, like there are mortgages with lower interest rates than what my loans are. And my mm-hmm. loans are government subsidized loans, which is exactly. a whole other conversation about like, why are my interest rates higher than, mm-hmm. than if I well, was that, buying yeah, a house? And that has to do with the housing <clears throat> crisis. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it all interacts. Uh, I mean, that's the other part. We can't look at these things in isolation, which which is why I opened with, okay, we're going to talk about how schools spend money. Totally, <laughs> because totally. that's what's tied to like, wait, why does it cost so much money to go to school now? And, you know, it scares me that it's going to be even more out of reach for people. And like, mm-hmm. that's the opposite of what needs to happen. Absolute opposite. Well, it is the opposite because having a country with people who have less education is certainly not going to move us forward mm-hmm. as a culture. No, like at all. not at all. Not at all. Um, not at all. Yeah. I, my, my, yeah. My personal gonna, oh, thing. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go, go, go. You go. <laughs> no, Please. I think it'll take us in a different direction. <laughs> so you go. I, I'm just going to, I just have to say this like publicly mm-hmm. that I think it's a huge, I have a huge issue with the fact that I can't even write off all of my interest as a business expense nope. now that I am a business. And yep. that's ridiculous because yep. I use all of my education, all of my investment in my education. If so I'm the true. business and I invested $200,000, well, it wasn't that, but I invested six figures in myself yep. um, as a business. And now I'm using what I've learned and my education in business and storytelling and all the yep. all the ways that I serve and support. And this is also true for teachers. Like yep. why, why, why is that not something that, why am I capped at $1,200 yeah. a year on my taxes when I'm paying more than that every month on interest? Mm. Like that to me is... Like that's the thing that bothers me the most. It yeah. is like this should be count this should count yep. as a tax write-off. Like why am I paying interest and then more taxes on the income when I've already paid the like why? It's bananas. Yeah. I mean, I think and then it comes back to that value system that we've created where it's like, oh, education for education's sake is you know, the best investment you can make in yourself. And then <laughs> we hope that you get a job after. And then if you don't, well, you know, well, it's not our responsibility that you didn't get a job. You did the wrong major. That's like the take people are like the excuse that they're making for it. And so then you look at the tax code and it's like, oh, that's interesting, Jamie. You started your own business. Well, the tax code is going to be really confusing. And, you know, we really care about like, you know, the huge corporations making a difference in the world. So we're giving them like cuts that are bananas. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. And then like everyone else. And, you know, of course, this is like, a, you know, pr- you know, part of the reason why Trump is like so popular right now is like uh, the tax code is a mess and mm-hmm. it's not taxes as a whole, which is, of course, like a way people like to frame it. But it's the nuances of it about how it messes like messes with people. And there's totally other ways to do that as well that we've seen um, in many economies around the world. There's you know, there's choices we make to like deal with capitalism and we're choosing this model and other countries choose to cap other things. Sometimes it's salaries. Sometimes it's, you know, using taxes to actually invest in, you know, health and and education, which would be amazing. But there's lots of choices we're making. Right. And that culturally we've decided this is like the good choices. And then and then the backlash of it is like on the backs of like individual Americans, like by themselves trying to just figure it out without someone going, oh, yeah, like the logic of this doesn't make sense because we just rest on our, you know, ideological underpinnings of like, you know, hard work and whatever American dream. And so it's everyone has to pull themselves up. Yep. It's part of the part of the story. And like and so, yeah, and we're you know, I I look too at it in an interesting way as well. My parents. uh, I mean, I just even look at like how our parents paid a big like they're an interesting generation mm-hmm. the the generation that lost a lot of their retirement in the stock market with the crash like you know that they also funded us and believed that as well mm-hmm. and my parents took out like money against their house to pay for me to go through and i look at that and so they're they're dealing with that in a different way but then they were they were kind of similar to your family where it's like we'll pay for we, they paid for all of my undergrad, but they didn't pay for any fat, anything after. So actually, all my stuff is after stuff. And we look at how that impacted people, too, where it was like a good a good middle class American is going to is going to invest in their kids and get them through school, hopefully. And then now they're broke. And so unfortunately, students are individually taking out loans. And of course, this is speaking from a family from my own you know, position in the social hierarchy as well, like where I, you know, I had some privilege and there are people that don't. Right. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's. It's it's basically we're as a as an as a culture, as a society, we're not actually supporting people. And then we're turning around and blaming them for the choices that they made mm-hmm. um, in order to justify like why they shouldn't have to really care about how this is a problem. So that's like <laughs> yeah. basically how politics are being run right now. And so well, not being run, but how they're operating, I guess, or whatever. And so it's the you ideology, know, it, yeah, the ideology behind it. And it, and it's, and it's really, it's really impacting people and, and, and making us make different choices um, that, you know, are going to have an impact on our economy in the future. And like, but what I, what I find, maybe we can talk about too, like, as like the wrap up too, is like, what there are positives that we see happening because of this, because we learn from doing and making these decisions. We learn from experiencing presidencies that, you know, are impacting people. We learn from this stuff and we make new choices. So I do, I I love what's happening around like the social entrepreneurship and where people are, you know, focusing on creating businesses that people are, you know, over profit, like those, those, frameworks that are coming out of what we're living through right now is also important. So it's also not something to sit back and go like, oh, the world is shit. Like, you know, we're 
responding to the world right now. And it's waking us up in a way to say like, oh, I don't want it to be like this for my kids or I will fight this in this way. And there, so there are some things that we can look at that are happening right now that, um, you know, our generation is going to be specifically equipped to change things and to say, we're not going to stand for, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I think what we experienced as people who went through the recession at the age we did, um, and then the people, you know, the young kids right now that are like going to go into the workforce, I think we're going to have different, um, values and belief systems that are guiding us. And so there is not to say that like every, all the terrible decisions we make, like, oh, just look at like how we can change them. But like that, that is what happens. Like it's constantly being negotiated right now. So there, there are really, there's really cool stuff happening out there. And I think it's a really cool time to be alive and we get to use, you know, our experiences um, and choices that we made and, um, and to impact the world and uh, to be, and I think we are a powerful generation to do exactly that. And there's tools that are, that are, um, at our use to be able to do that. Like there's it, with like social media and technology and starting businesses, like we're able to do so easily um, to help people, you know, make an impact. And I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. For sure. I have, I have another question before yeah. we like, so this is our wrap up question. Cool. And you can take your time with it. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, <laughs> so if you were gifted $5 million, mm. totally tax free, it was just placed in an account by a, a lovely benefactor and there was no, you didn't have to do anything for it. It was just like, here you go. Here's $5 million mm. um, to do whatever you want mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. What would you do with that money? Mm. I would wipe all the debt in my family. Um, mm. At least like immediate family. <laughs> it probably goes back pretty far. But I would wipe all the debt in my family. Mom, uh, pay off mortgages, pay off my student loan debt. Like those would be all my initial things. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I take care of myself because I want to... Uh, because then um, I think I would... Um, really be kind of maybe going all in on uh, academics and the awareness that's happening, you know, the awareness I'm trying to create around other options because there's a lot of suffering happening at institutions. And so, um, you know, I I do feel like somewhat of a responsibility to um, get out there in in ways that now I've learned through, you know, marketing and, you know, digital marketing and entrepreneurship and stuff. And so how could I use the tools um, that I've learned to be able to get the word out really. Um, and to, to share what I know and what I've learned, um, and to help people, I would probably start some sort of school for grad students and adjuncts, um, on how to freelance and how to make some extra cash on the side to put them through, uh, their PhD programs and to put them through. Cause with, uh, you know, adjuncts, if they're working towards that full-time job, I mean, some of them are, have been doing it for six, 10 years, you know, just hoping one day they get hired and it's tough. So to, to know the choices and the sacrifices that they're making for their dream, it would be cool to be able to help them um, make it not so hard on them um, to rely on the institution to pay them fair wages, which isn't happening. So what if they started their own businesses? Um, so yeah, I think it would just allow me to be able to go all in 
on something when you have that kind of funds uh, to just go big quickly. Because um, mm-hmm. when you're building it as you go, it's hard, man. The choices that you have to make with uh, your profit and also surviving. So, yeah, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's I would probably start up. a fund as well. I think I think a dream of mine at some point too is to is to give back to the community college system in some way, um, and maybe it would. I don't know if it would be starting a nonprofit because there's stuff around that, but maybe funding yeah. someone else's nonprofit <laughs> or something. Um, because I think um, you know there's there's lots of issues that are happening at the community college level that uh, could really help a lot of students get through school, um, whether it be daycare. Or, or even there's a lot of students that are at the community college who, uh, you know, they were in my classes and they were in lots of, you know, and they're all over the country. It's there. They have, you know, unstable housing situations, um, living in cars and stuff like that. So to have some sort of emergency place they could go on campus, uh, that would be awesome as well. And so I know there was there was stuff happening on my campus around that. It was kind of a quiet thing, but if there was something more formal, because the institutions, like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, are their budgets are stretched thin. So them being able to help, um, you know, the population that they're serving is, you know, getting less and less. Their budgets are tight. So, you know, going in and filling that gap would be something I would want to do for sure. Fantastic. Well, I could talk to you about this all day. <laughs> Part two. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we'll have a part two episode at some point. I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you so much for coming on, having this incredible conversation, sharing all of your knowledge and critical thinking skills with, <laughs> with this audience. Um, and I put all, I'll put all of these links in the show notes, but is there anywhere in particular you'd like people to go stalk you besides they should be listening to the Academics Mean Business podcast and joining that community too? Yeah. Especially if they align with the, totally. with the val- valuing the higher education. For sure. Piece. And yeah. yeah, and like I've had people be like, oh, do I have to have a PhD? And it's like, no, like, <laughs> like I think there's a lot like, you know, and hopefully I demonstrated this well there's a lot of overlap i think um happening and there's a lot of people who care about education they're teachers you know they're in the k-12 through system obviously that overlaps like my degree doesn't do like change that like the reasons why we teach so you know there's a lot of um and there's people who care about this kind of stuff because their parents are educators and that kind of thing so um yeah like there's no qualifications to get in in any way shape or form let's keep this open and democratic but yeah so like i invite anyone who like just kind of cares about that kind of stuff yeah we kind of nerd out around like teaching or um you know like stuff that's happening on campuses and choices being made and things in the news around higher education but like the underlying thing about being someone who uh cares about serving people and um you know, has the heart of an educator, like is more than welcome to to join in on the conversation. So um, yeah, I would say the Academics Mean Business Facebook community, um, there's some fun stuff happening there. And then, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm posting on my business page as both things. Like I also have a course, as you heard in my intro around creating courses and entrepreneurship and teaching online. Um, so I talk a lot about that and then I kind of promo my podcast there. But like if you're um, wanting to learn about that kind of stuff, that would be a place to come hang out as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much, Lindsay. This Yay. has been really amazing and I appreciate you. I appreciate you. This episode is sponsored by Copy That. 
my signature course for writing websites that speak volumes and sell, something that every creative making money for sure needs. To learn more about my approach to writing that sells, you can visit thecopythatcourse.com slash free training.